All right, let's go. All right, all right, all right. One of your favorite hockey players has, uh, I'm sad to say, uh, one of, he was one of your favorites, oh, uh, yeah. Borgie Tommy. Yeah, unfortunately, right. we've been diagnosed with ALS, little Gehrig's disease. And uh, funny, he was always in shape, eh? Boy, he could really, uh, yeah, and he never seemed to tire. No. Uh, that's what got me, was he blocked shots. He could block shots, he could handle a puck, he could shoot. Boy, he'd be worth a lot of dough today. Yeah, so who, how do you think, Salming would fare in today's NHL. Well, you'd have to be. You'd, he'd have to be up. Up. He was. He was the best player they had. He. You couldn't keep your eyes off him when he had the puck. He did everything. He. He could do. He was the one player who could do everything. Right. And block. Like I said, block shots. Uh, stick handle, shoot. You could do everything. Yeah, I mean, it's funny though. Like we were talking about from in the seventies when he played to now. Like, they just let you walk out nowadays. And, you know, when he got the puck and went out, it was like a thrashing machine trying to get through. And, and you know what? They never protected him. They never, never, nobody stepped in at all. You know, you'd think they would have uh, because he was such a, such a great player. Yeah, Philly really, the Flyers really went after him quite a bit. Flyers, he sent two or three guys after him. He, he, he still, he didn't back down. No. Until one and played the game. Yeah. So Borgie Salming, he was uh, one of my favorites. So, Dad, you know, we're taking some questions from uh, people on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, a couple of people have asked, how good were the Leafs in the mid-70s when you were coaching them? So, say, 75 to 79. Well, they were, they were in a tough division. I mean, <laughs> they were in the Adams division. They call it the Iron Division. They were in with... Uh, with us and uh, Buffalo, and Buffalo was dynamite with the French Connection line. Right. So people, were, I don't think people really remember how good Buffalo was back then. Oh, they, they were really dynamite. I mean, you play Buffalo, you better be ready. Yeah. Uh, they had uh, Rene Robert, uh, 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 Perot, Perot, and Martin. Boy, they, that was the French Connection, and they could fly. Right, and they had a big defense, Jerry Korab and uh, Jimmy Schoenfeld. But, uh, so, so they were in a tough division. They were usually about third or fourth. I mean, they had some good players too. Uh, it's uh, Jack Valaket, I used to, one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pat Boutin, Weir. Um, but you were saying that outside, you said the top three lines, I remember you talking, the, the hardest lines to check were, of course, Montreal with Lafleur and uh, Shutt and Lemaire, and then the French Connection, Perot, Martin, and. Um, uh, Rennie Robert, but you said one of the hardest ones was Landon McDonald, Daryl Sittler, and Errol Thompson. I remember they used to face off, and um, the, 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 guy, the extra guy would be right at the top of the circle. Eh? And I remember Gary Dokemore says, How are we going to go out to get that guy? And he couldn't get at him. And uh, I said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, they, they were a tough line. Uh, Earl Thompson got 40 goals. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody knows about Earl Thompson. Yeah, you were because I remember you saying, like, you, you, the French connection, you could kind of check a little bit. Well, we used to leave out, we leave out uh, Rattel and um, Marcotte, and any time, any line that was Marcotte was on, it used to think it was a checking line. So they'd take him off, and I remember Rene skating by the bench, he said, Tabernacle, Calis, 
I don't know what that means, but anyhow, he used to say that. He said, get me off this team, Grapes. Get me off this team. But <laughs> I knew they'd be ticked off when they were taken off. Right. But the one thing the Leafs had, too, was a good defense. You have mentioned it because they had Salming. Jimmy McKinney, uh, Bob Neely, uh, Brian Glenny. He was good. Yeah. And Randy Carlisle won the... Uh, the um, Norris. Yeah. And uh, Dave Hutchinson, big, tough guy. Ian Turnbull. Yeah, Ian Turnbull got five goals one game. Yeah. No, he was, they, they had a good defense. They had a good team. Yeah. They were about two or three players away, and but they, did, they didn't really take things serious. I remember, I remember watching one of their practices. I, could, I just couldn't take it. They walk off when they want. They walk. I think the funny story was, one of the funny stories, I think I'm going to tell it again, and I don't know if I've already told it, as about Jim McKinney, um, what they did was they put the uh, like uh, pylons on, and, and uh, Red Kelly got the call that he had to go in on the phone. So he said, and uh, Jim McKinney come running off quick. Come on out, come on out quick, come on out, come on out. He says, we're having a tough time. Well, what's the matter? He says, the pylons are winning. <laughs> <laughs> McKinney was always good for that one. Oh, jokes. But I think the problem that Toronto had is kind of what the Bruins had. You ran into Montreal. Well, 76 Canadians were picked the best team ever, ever in the, in the National Hockey League. And, we, and you'd, you'd always end up at the end with them because uh, you had a good coach in Scotty Bowman, and they had everything going for them, and they were the best team, and you'd end up. But they got, that, they got Canadians right at the start. You know, it was funny thing is, Bob Myers was the referee that called the boarding penalty on uh, uh, Tiger, Tiger Williams. Williams. Yeah, in 1979, there they were. It was an overtime in Game Four, and everybody was cross-checking and everything, and he called him a penalty. Yeah, just like a high. It was just a chintzy high sticking it, penalty in overtime. It was a nothing penalty. Like it was, it was a nothing hit. Nothing would, and uh, nobody even know what what who who got it. So then he pointed to Tiger. And Tiger went nuts. And, and then, then they scored. Yeah, Larry Robinson scored the, the series winner. And then Tiger really went nuts. You, well, you, you go on the internet, you can find it. Yeah, and then, and the guy that brought, and grabbed a hold of him and stopped him from getting, you know, get suspended for life, he might kill the guy, yeah. was uh, Larry Robinson. Yeah. Which was strange because he got the goal and here he is trying to restrain <laughs> the guy. Calm down, Tiger Williams. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was but, but and then he was the guy. They called a high-sticking penalty on John Rattel. And John Rattel never had a high-sticking penalty in his life. He was just protecting himself. Right, that was in Game 7. In against our game, the, yeah. Yeah, in the semifinals of 79 and called the penalty on John Rattel. High-sticking on John Rattel. High-sticking on John. Bing winner. Never happened. So, Dad, in 79, after you uh, uh, left Boston and you, you went through... You were very to, kind, very kind, left yeah, Boston, yeah. And we were going to Colorado. You got offered the job in Toronto, and, and but you had already agreed to go to Colorado. But if you went to Toronto in 79 and you could take one of your Bruins, who would you take? Well, there's an awful lot of Bruins I'd like to take along with me, but I the one guy I'd like to take is Terry O'Reilly. He had that fiery spirit. He didn't care who the coach was. He, he, he played hard, 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 tough hockey, and he could put the puck in the net. Now, you said that he kind of set the tone in practice. Boy, I'll tell you, if you didn't work hard in practice, you'd never hear from me. Well, you'd hear from me once in a while. You'd hear from Terry O'Reilly. Boy, he, 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 worked as, he worked as hard in practice as he did in a game, I mean, that, and it showed. 
Yeah. Now, because I, I remember in the one interview, he was talking about you used to really skate the guys on Tuesday. I did. Uh, played Sunday. I give them Monday off, and Tuesday I used to just skate them to death. They used to call it Black Tuesday. He, he said one time, he said, we knew we could win because we were in better shape than the other club. And, and one, one reporter said, you know, you go in the Bruins dressing room, he says, every guy was like skeleton in there except one guy, Jerry Shevers. <laughs> and he used to stop the pucks. So, Dad, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Spreads.ca. They're a Canadian-owned online casino and sportsbook. And if you sign up now and use the promo Grapes, they'll match your deposit up to $500. You get three spins on the big wheel for some big dough. And your first sports bet, they'll spot you 25 bucks. So, uh, you know, they're, they've been a good friend of ours. And so if you want to put... Canadian? Some, yeah, they're Canadian, which is a biggie. So uh, that spreads with an S dot C-A. Check them out. And so, Dad, I asked you this question. So you, you, it was a hard question that you, I thought it would have been an easier question for you, but you had to think long and hard about this one. And the question was from, I think his name's Tapore, T-P-O-R-E, 70 asks, what win as a Bruins coach do you still think about and stands out in your mind? You know, I... I you told me this before, and I wrote this out, so I'm going to read this here, what I wrote. Okay? Now, yeah. here it goes like this. It's game three in L.A. We'd won the first two games. So this is in 1977. So right? 1977, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd won the first two games. You know, they, they didn't play that good. And L.A. And LA w- w- went up 3-1 in the first period. This is game three in, in L.A. Yeah. L.A. went up 3-1 in the first period. We tied it early. To make it uh, uh, in, in the second period, they scored two more goals. I remember this here, two more goals in the second periods. So we were we were down five three going into the third. We scored three straight goals: Schmatz, Cashman on a breakaway. I remember Cash's breakaway hit his ankle and went in. Because I remember you saying when Cash had a breakaway. It was like, you know, next line up, he never really scored. And it went and it hit his, he, he shot it and Rogie made the save and it bounced out, hit his skate and went right through Rogie Vashon's legs. I couldn't believe in that night. We kept my mouth shut. Um, okay, Cash, Cashman on a breakaway and Donnie Marcotte. So we were up 6-5 with less than two minutes left in the game. And Marcel ties it up. Uh, you know, I, like my heart, I, I thought this is it. And then Jonathan goes down the left side along the boards and fired it in, in on the net and Rogie Vashon's shoulder. And Joey and climbed up over his shoulder, went in and over his shoulder and in the net for the win. I, I couldn't believe that one. That was the one. I almost fainted on that one. That was the one that I almost fainted. There's a lot of emotion that goes on down on those benches, boy. And that was the one I, I, ne- I yeah. never forgot. You know, no, I, I remember that. I can remember that goal like it happened yesterday. He Stan put it right along the ice and it hit. Rogie's stick and it rolled up his stick, up his arm, over his shoulder, and into the net. But the reason, one of the reasons I remember it was because after practice, you always used to stay on the ice with the rookies and work with the yeah. rookies. And I remember you used to kind of standing at the one blue line and Stan and John Wensick specifically would skate. You know, they would skate. And Bobby down. Miller. He's that Bobby. Bobby Miller, yep, would skate down and you'd pass them the puck on the fly and they'd step over the blue line and you told them, just blast it along the ice. Yeah. And Jerry Cheevers walked up to you, <laughs> skated up to you, right? And he said, they will never, ever 
ever score in a National Hockey League goalie from there. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I remember he used to come to the glass, like they're coming in the glass of Zamboni, and he'd stand there, and I'd be passing the puck, and I'd, I'd, I'd try not to look at him, but I'd look at him, and he'd just shake his head, never happened. He'd go, never happened. And, <laughs> and there's, there was the winner. But I remember that one, boy. That was the, that, I almost fainted on that one. Now, we fly back to Boston. We're up 3-1 in the series. I think we will wrap it up at Kings because nobody ever beat us in the, the gardens. Right. And I did not have them ready. I, I was just as cocky as they were. And they beat us. So now it's three two. And and you what you know what I remember one goal that went in there. Somebody shot it from the point and it went off. It's the only time I've ever seen a team pick up a player and carry him off the ice. Yeah, that was Butch Goring. Uh, Butch Goring, yeah, right off his ankle. I never never forgot that. Next next game is game six. We go up. Okay, but but remember what happened though. You're driving home in your car, and you turn driving on the radio. home in my little car, and I turn on the radio, and it song come up by Jigsaw. It was pretty popular back then. You're blown it all sky high, and for no reason why. And I I started to cry. I really started to cry in the car, for no reason why. That was the reason. The and the reason was that I did not have them ready. So now we're going to play. Oh. They could tie it up easy. Tie it up. Now you got to go back for game seven. Yeah. Flying back to L.A. And we go up, uh, we go up, uh, we go up three nothing in the first. So it does look like it. Well, you know, well we're doing pretty good. They come back and p- scored three straight goals. So it was about 10 minutes left in the third yeah. period. It's 3-3. Dave Hutchinson had the puck in the right-hand corner. And we and he, all he had to do was shoot it off the boards and the penalty was over and everything. And the stick broke it right in half. And went right to Greg Shepard. As now, and I'll tell you how uh, excited he was and everything. He threw the the, the, the stick at, at Shepard. Yeah, I remember he, that. Like he took the shaft of the stick and just fired it right, fired at, right at, at him. At, at Shepard. At, at L.A. was so far up they couldn't get back to help. And here we had a two on nothing. And Shepard is a left hand shot. Now he's going in. He's going in. He's going in. Rogie Vashon was not a big guy, but everybody, including myself. And, and Schmatz was going in on the, on the left-hand side, and he was a right-hand shot. And it was an open net, and I thought for sure he was going to pass it to him. And Vashon just pulled off the, the post a little, just a, just enough. And he shot the puck. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah, he snapped a right top corner. Oh, Probably had he? about an inch. Yeah, he, just just had about an inch, and he put it he right didn't over. Have, and, you know, I thought he was going to pass the Schmatzy. Right. I almost fainted on that one, too. That's the two goals. That I remember, and I remember, I was right out of it. I thought, uh, I couldn't believe it. That was the two goals that I remember, mostly in the NHL, and boy, were they beauties. Right, and then you had to fly right from L.A., right to Philly. Yeah, that's true. Next day, you played Philly. You had a day's rest, goes into overtime. Ricky Middleton scores. Well, you know you know how Ricky Middleton scores? I'll I'll, I hate to go from one game to another. Anyhow... I couldn't believe it. Uh, Freddie Shiro, he plays, uh, who did he play? He, had, he started Wayne Stevenson in yeah. that. And, and he, in overtime. And he wasn't playing bad. And in an overtime, he put in, uh, in overtime, he put in Bernie Perron. And I, I, Bernie Perron hadn't played him, and his legs must have been like lead. So I called Ricky Middleton over, and I said, Ricky, when you get that puck, I said, and I'm going to tell him to whip it over to you, just shoot it on net. Just flip it on net. By God, that's what he did. 
And Bernie Perrant, you know, cold as cold as ice, uh, tried to get the puck out. I can still see him reaching for the puck and it went in, and we won in overtime. I, mm-hmm. There's no way we should have won that game. And then the next game went into double overtime. The next game, Rattel's behind the net, and he passes it out to Terry O'Reilly. And Terry O'Reilly was on by mistake. He, you know, he just jumped on. Mm-hmm. I forget who come off. Schmatz come off, and, and Terry O'Reilly jumped on. Here come the Boston Bruins, three on three. John Rattel with Marcotte on the left wing, slightly behind Terry O'Reilly. Written off beautifully by Ross Lonsbury. He'll throw it out to neutralize, or attempts to. Clark right there. Comes back to Doak, into the corner. Good pressure by the Boston Bruins. It's out. Of- and the Boston Bruins win in overtime. Terry O'Reilly. <laughs> and, and boy, did, and I think he kind of missed the puck a little and uh, it, it scored the winner. So we're up 2-0 on Philadelphia. So we, we had four great games in a row there. Right. You know what I remember about that, though, is that uh, after that series, after those two games, uh, you came home and that was, and back then at the airports, like you could meet, be people at the yeah. gate. You can be families can meet at the gate. So we're all the wives and we're all meeting at the gate. You walk in and Diana McNabb, Peter McNabb's wife walks up to you and says, Don, great game. You remember what you said? Yeah. I said, yeah. I coached him again. She hit me with the purse. Really corked me with the purse. Yeah. Like, like meanwhile, tried yeah, to hit yeah. me. Yeah. She was, she, she meant it. So, you know, Dad, we talked about uh, the games the, the games in L.A. You played, we, the Bruins played L.A. twice in the playoffs, and they were, t- they were always they tough They were games. always tough, boy. And you said that was one of the loudest rinks to play in. You know why? Because the, the, uh, the bottom three were all steel, the steel bottom. And, and the people down there used to stamp it in unison. And you couldn't, you could hear, you couldn't hear yourself think. Between the, between the crowd up above yelling and these people snapping their feet and yelling, it was unbelievable. But, you know, they used to be up. All, I used to think they were up one nothing because of, of one person, Gloria Loring. She was, a, she was the wife of, of Alan Thicke. Right. I think she was in a daytime soap, and she used to sing the national anthem. Oh, right? boy. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's And in those days, you used to have a wire. Go, run out, and I used to. I said, like this, a mic cord, yeah. yeah you cord. know, I said to Frosty, I said to him, I said, boy, I said, I'd like that that Gloria Loring. She, that he, that puts them up one nothing right out the bat. That because you said she used to stand there, right? And, she, yeah, and, and the place would just and she wouldn't move, and the place would just be going bananas. And then she'd sing the national anthem. Oh boy, and she could really sing the national anthem. So Frosty said, I'll fix that. And I, and I said, well, What are you going to? He's not. Never mind. So what he did, he crawled underneath the, uh, before the game, he crawled underneath the crowd, and the line going out, he took scissors and he cut it. So she, till the crowd's quiet. Now you can picture this, the crowd's quiet, and, and she brings up them out to bring the Star Spangled Banner, and nothing. <laughs> I looked at Frosty, Frosty gives me a wink, I don't know how he did it, and uh, she had to go over and sing it over by the penalty box. With the, but then the magic and, was gone, you know, right? It was gone. The magic was gone, and we beat them. But boy, oh boy, Gloria Loring, boy, she sure could sing that national anthem. So, Dad, you know, we talk about uh, Gloria Loring, and we said her, her husband was Canadian, Alan Thicke. And uh, I remember we met Alan Thicke. We were up in Barrie, and Peter McKay, who was the Minister of Defense, he asked you to go up to do a uh, to coach a uh, ter- uh, hockey like a, a charity game 
for uh, wounded warriors and all that. Yeah. And uh, remember, go- I remember going up there and like trying to get into the arena. And uh, when you were there, uh, Alan Thick came up and started to tease you a little bit. Yeah, I was. I, we admit played the first period or warm up or whatever it was. You know, warm up, I guess it was. And uh, I, I'm walking across the ice, and he come up and he's shooting the breeze. And I didn't know what to say to him and everything. And he says, "Well, at least I kept my hair." <laughs> the thing, I wonder, because he did have really he nice did have hair. Good hair. Yeah, yeah, he did really have nice hair. Yeah, do you know who we met there though? Like uh, we were in the back, and we we kind of got in, and the 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 Mounties were there, and they shuffled us. Was and guess who was in the back? Remember, we went in the back room. Oh yeah, Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper. He was the most kind of non-assuming guy you ever met. Yeah, you never figure he was the prime minister. No, he was just, he had no air about him. He was just sitting there drinking a bottle of water and, you know, chit-chatted about the lease. I, I just couldn't get over how, like... Yeah, we had to sign a few things. He didn't mind signing them. Yeah, no, he was, it was, it was, it was something meeting him. He seemed like, a, seemed like a great guy. The one thing I do remember about that is from all the banquets that you go to, we always remembered how do you get out, like the exit strategy, yeah. right? So we knew we had to get out before Stephen Harper and McKay because it'd be a zoo. Yeah. So right after it was over, you and I and Kenny Catan, who was kind of helping us out, he got us. And he we protected were, me. Yeah, we, he was pushing people out of the way, and we got out because we never would have got out. And and uh, he, one guy was going to hit him in the whole deal. So we got out, and... Um, yeah, Kenny really helped us, and... and you and I and Cindy, we used to go to a lot of bank, an awful lot of banquets. We used to go, and that our thing was not so much how to get in, but how to get out, right? Fast, and fast. And the, the the queen of that was Hazel McCallum. Oh, she was the best. She used to. We used to be there, and she wouldn't be there. And all of a sudden, there she'd be. I don't know how she'd get in, but she'd get in, and then she'd disappear. You never see her go in. You never see her go out. And she was uh, she was a master at that boy. And she used to she used to attend a lot of functions like that to help charity. Well, I've been in a lot of cities, Tim, and I've been in a lot of I've seen a lot of mayors and I've seen a lot of people. But I said Hazel McCallion was the best mayor of any city I've ever been in. 